News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I am glad to be back. My name is Jay Thomas, and I'm uh, guest hosting this with Jill Van Dyke. Hi, Jill. Hi, good morning. Now, last week's show was uh, pre-recorded. Yeah, we talked about seed starting, uh, me and Rick, on last week's show. And so if you have any seed starting questions relating to last show, feel free to call or text us today. Um, we would love to answer them. Seed starting is one of those things that uh, you can do in your home in the cold of winter and sort of get those therapeutic vibes going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the smell of the soil. The smell of the soil. And just being able to start something from a seed and see it grow periodically into something that potentially you're going to harvest and grow in your yard and enjoy on your table with your family um, is just such a rewarding process. Um, and uh, there's there's a lot involved in it, but it's really not a scary thing. And it's something that anybody can do, whether you're a beginner gardener or a more advanced gardener. And um, we're seeing a lot more people even put little mini greenhouses in their homes, mm -hmm. um, adding a grow light system in their homes and it's really becoming a part of everyday life. Grow lights are now easy to find, easy to get, right? There's many places you can source them from, so they're not as complicated as they once were, no. and they're all LED-powered now. Yeah, LED. The biggest thing when you're finding a grow light is you want a full-spectrum light. You mm -hmm. want something that is going to give you a, a lot of all of the different nutrients that our sunlight will is going to give our plants. So that's really important. Um, the other thing is making sure that that light is sitting close enough to the plant. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will put a grow light Oh, I'm just going to put it in my, uh, my desk lamp and have it sitting in the room. Well, when you're seed starting, that light actually has to be like two to three inches away from the plant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that there's just different things with grow lights. So make sure you are doing your research and educating yourself about, uh, the best way to grow under lights. If you've got questions about seed starting because you're doing something at home, make sure you give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. You can call that number or you can text a question to that number and, uh, Jill can help you get things figured out properly. Now, uh, we wanted to kind of take this show a little bit to focus on perennials, right? Yeah, right now we are gearing up the greenhouses and we're starting our perennial production. So that means that we have a lot of um, bare root uh, perennials that are coming in from all over the place. A lot of them come from BC actually right now. And so they're harvested, put in cold storage, and then we bring them into the greenhouse at this time of year and we start to pot them up. So it could be anything like hyacinths, liatris, uh, daylilies, um, Lots of different perennials and pastas, yeah, pastas like uh, a still bee. So there's um, peonies are even planted at this time of year. So there's so many perennials that you can get started early on. So if you're wanting to split or harvest your perennials and then start them in the home, or if you have a little greenhouse, you could definitely put them in cold storage, um, kind of put them in uh, sawdust or a peat type mixture, um, kind of like what you store your dahlia bulbs in, mm -hmm. and then um, plant them up in the in the um, in the springtime if you're not keeping them in the ground. I mean, the easiest way with perennials is just keep them in the ground and maybe split them and harvest them in the spring and summertime. So Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, for a long time, I always struggled with what does perennial mean? What does annual mean? Because I always like, you know, got those two mixed up. Perennial is it comes up every year. Annually means you annually have to plant it, right? I think of it that way. Perennial means that you do not have to annually plant right, it, right? right? So you plant it once and then it stays. It can survive our winters in the ground. We remember that we we are about a zone two to three. So when you're flipping through all these gardening magazines and sometimes getting inspired by um, these magazines that are maybe being produced in a in a zone 
four to eight climate, um, you'll, you might be dreaming of some different things, but bring those magazines into the garden center, um, into your nearest garden center and be like, Hey, I want this look. And we can sometimes substitute it for something that may look the same, but be hardy for our zone. So remember we're a zone two to three. Um, an annual is a plant that remember it, you plant it and then it generally grows. It produces seed and then it dies. Like that's its life cycle. So that's why we deadhead a lot of our annuals too, because mm-hmm. we want them to say, Oh shoot, I got to start it all over again because you ruined my life cycle. So I'm deadheading so that it's not producing seed and it's saying, I got to reproduce seed again. And then it's going to rebloom over right. and over and right. over again. Um, so that's one of the things, but with annuals, one of the great things we've gotten more vegetative varieties and hybrid varieties so that they are going to be continuously blooming. So they're bred for vigor and growth. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of these new varieties for our hanging baskets and container gardening. Yes. Yeah. So, um, th- things where we're able to take these plants and our industry is growing and modifying. We have so much, um, ideas. I, this is kind of my passion. I love like, the finesse of it all, <laughs> okay. as one of our callers called it one day, but just being able to add that color texture to your yard. And that's definitely something that perennials do. Um, a lot of people have their yards and they put those structure pieces in place. They put their trees and their shrubs when they first move into a yard mm-hmm. and adding perennials into your yard just softens the space. It adds more texture. You can have some more things that are color that add color. Um, when you're planting your perennial yard, um, we'll plant it a lot. So you have some perennials that bloom in the early spring, summer, uh-huh. and then maybe mid late summer and then into the fall. So it's important. You can stage out these different things so that you always have that little bit of pop of color in your yard. I think that, you know, if you kind of rewind the old standby was perennials are just sort of these green things floating around. Annuals were the flowers. And that mm-hmm. was sort of the old way of thinking about gardening. Mm-hmm. You know, around our part of the, the world anyways. Yeah. But there are so many new varieties now of perennials that have come out. Even if you just take a hosta, what you think was just a hosta before there was a few varieties you could get in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. There's dozens and dozens of them and they all look different. They've yeah. all got different flowers, things like that. So the variety has really expanded into the perennial world. Like my yard, for example, is about five years old mm-hmm. and we do a few annual flowers, but not really. Most mm-hmm. of it's just perennials because there's new stuff now that looks really good when it comes up. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, like they might not realize, like they think, oh, I'm adding perennials. That's a lot of work because the perennials, remember, they grow back from the ground every mm-hmm. year. They're not like a shrub which stays up and then it just leaves out. So you do have to cut them back in the fall or the spring so that you get rid of all that old leaf and then they come back from the bottom. So a lot of people say, oh, perennials, that's a lot of work. But I find with my perennials, as soon as they start dying back, I cut them down to the ground. I'm done. I don't have to think about it until the next season. I just fertilize and go. I, I think it's less work than putting annuals and then getting your pots out and getting fresh soil and planting them and like it's well, I will never say that because I am definitely an annual gardener, Jay. But, <laughs> but, but yes. in some respects, perennials yes. are less work, right? Absolutely. Because like you said, you just cut them down at the end. They grow up in the summer. And you maybe prune them once or twice in the summer, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very easy And they, they just go. That's they it. They just go. And a lot of the different varieties, um, because we have gardeners who are wanting that kind of low-maintenance yard, we're choosing varieties to sell in the garden center that that are more clump varieties, that mm-hmm. aren't as invasive, um, that are just able to sort of grow a little bit more like a shrub, if that makes sense, like as far as the yes. look and aesthetic. Um, they're 
coming up with varieties where maybe you used to have a daylily who used to bloom for like maybe two weeks of the year. So you'd plant and you'd be like, oh, great, I got this grassy thing and it blooms and I'm so excited. But now we have reblooming daylilies mm-hmm. and, um, and multi-bloomers. And like, a whole bunch just of colors. A whole bunch of colors. And um, one of the things that I actually wanted to point out on this show today is daylilies. A lot of people will find some of these newer varieties and there's lots of double daylilies. And having a double flower is like, I'm becoming... My kind of a trend thing right now. Yep. Um, one of the things with some of the double perennials is it takes a number of years for it to become a true double flower. So when they plant it the first year, I'll have the customer call me back and be like, "Hey Jill, it doesn't look like the picture," <laughs> and that's because it might only have a few of those those second or third um, petals at that point in time. But it's going to take time for the plant to establish, and then it's going to have those double flowers on it too. I'm noticing our daylilies are have taken years to finally get big mm-hmm. you know and they're they're in a place with a little bit a little bit less light mm-hmm. you know they're kind of between a fence and a house so i okay. i did expect that but finally this last summer i think it was this is the fourth summer we've had them in the ground finally they're looking big and full and and sort of thick lots and lots of sort of grassy yeah. leaves on them whereas before they started out with sort of like three or four little scraggly things poking out of the ground. Mm -hmm. It took years for them to kind of develop and grow and expand that way. Yeah. And what I have to say to that is fertilize, 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 Mm -hmm. fertilize. Use a 20-20-20 fertilizer or a nice all-purpose fertilizer for your um, perennials. And you can fertilize them like every other week. And just when you're watering your plants, um, give them a shot of fertilizer and that's really going to help them thrive. Now, when I'm talking about daylilies now, I thought because we're on the radio and we don't have a picture, we can't show you them. I'll just sort of describe this. We're not talking about a lily, like the ones that grow from a ball, tiger lily. A tiger lily. We're talking about a daylily. It's actually one of the most common plants used in, um, in parks and, um, and sometimes the landscapes around the city because they're such easy care. They can go sunshade and then they have a little bit of color on them. So they have a grassy foliage on them and then they have a smaller lily typed um, flower on them that is just beautiful. It comes in all different colors from whites to burgundies to red um, to a bright yellow. Our most common variety is called a Stella Dora and it's a dwarf daylily and it's got a finer leaf to it so it almost looks like a grass and it is a rebloomer and will bloom all summer long. Some of them r- remind me, of, they're sort of tropical in a kind of way, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that's where they're from, yeah. but, but they have a sort of a tropical look to them. So yeah. there's something that is getting used more and more and more, like you said, in landscaping. It wasn't necessarily before, you know, like no. they were, they've been around for a while, but with all these new varieties, they're really, really coming into vogue sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. They, they're taking off and just because they're so easy care too, it's kind of one of those ones that you can have that look and have that little bit of, like that you said, that tropical look with the mm-hmm. flower, but you still have that little bit of a Arizona feel with yeah. the grass. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Let's take a quick break. If you've got a question about what we're talking about or any other gardening question, make sure you join the conversation. one 332 8255 We are going to get to a couple of texts here yeah, when we get back. Um, this is Ruth and Nippon wants to talk about begonias. We've got Ernie in Saskatoon, a lemon tree. Ooh, that's exciting. And Betty wants to talk about growing lettuce. So we're going to, like even in the winter... In the garage. This is Bring cool. It on. Yeah, exciting stuff. We're going to get to geraniums here in the show as well. Join uh, join us. one 332 8255 I'm Jay Thomas with Jill Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Jay Thomas. 
I've got Jill Van Dyvendyke with me. Thanks for joining us today. one 332 8255 That's where you can uh, join the conversation, just like Ruth in Nipawin and Ernie in Saskatoon and Grace in Saskatoon as well. Some text coming up. So that's exciting. Yeah. We are talking about yeah, everything spring because, hey, March 1st is like just a couple days away. Yeah, and we're starting to see some of the snow melt away a little bit on mm-hmm. some of these warmer mm-hmm. days. So it's just... Spring is coming. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're like, I don't know if I say it out loud, if that jinxes it, like done with the minus 40 junk. Oh, don't say that out loud. Oops. But, <laughs> but I, I know I'm, I'm excited that we have a pretty mild week. I mean, yeah. we're looking at temperatures between like minus six and minus 12. And um, as long as it's not windy, we'll probably be outside enjoying some outdoor stuff, moving some snow away from our window wells oh, yeah. and yeah. away from the house and sort of getting things ready for the big melt. <laughs> the dog poop is all still frozen, though. You can't do anything with that just yet. <laughs> okay. Good luck with that, Yeah, Jay. exactly. Good morning, says Ruth in Nipawin uh, on our text line. She says, can you root cuttings from begonias? Thanks in advance. Absolutely, you can. Uh, what I would probably do is if I'm taking a cutting from a begonia, um, you want to take it off the main stem, and uh, and then you want to you want to make sure you take it off of a node, so where the, the leaf comes. And then there's another way. There's actually begonias you can actually root from the leaf. So oh. you actually take the leaf and you cut it into um, almost like little slits on the leaves and then lay it, lay it on the soil and it will actually root from the, the leaf too. Oh, wow. But um, it, if you're looking at a tuberous begonia, um, those ones are actually done from a bulb. So those ones you'd have to plant the bulb first. So, but there is different types of begonias. Right. Because tuberous ones are generally the ones that are getting bigger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they, the, they're, if you kind of want to call it branch system, you know, that they have when you're looking at them, they kind of look like they're, I don't know. A little bit more succulent. At the yes. Place. Yes. Exactly. A little more succulent-like. Yeah. Right? And you were talking to me like, Jill, how do I get these to be more wind tolerant? Well, here's <laughs> here's where I'm at. In our front, in our front yard, our yes. house faces north. Mm-hmm. And we have a narrow house. So it's mostly garage in the front. And a very narrow front yard. So it's just like a little strip of grass up to the top of our... There's a, there's a small little area with with a sh- some shrubs and stuff like that. But up on our step, we usually have a planter mm-hmm. kind of next to our front door. Yeah. And it's really shady in there. Yeah. So you can't, I can't put something in there that wants a whole bunch of sun, but then just as it were, where the, where the way the wind kind of comes down the street and it sort of gets caught in between my house and my neighbor's house, sort of in our little mm-hmm. front yard area, and it kind of just swirls around. Mm-hmm. So it gets really windy in that spot. So it's facing north with not a lot of light, and it's windy. So I tried begonias, and they they stay okay for a while, and after a month, they look beat up and gross, and yeah, doesn't matter where where I get them from or if I what I do. Have you tried staking them? So as they're uh, when they're small, I'll put a stake in near the base of them, and I'll tie that to the main stem, and they'll kind of grow up around mm. that. It gives them a little bit more support. The other thing when they're small is giving a little pinch, so pinching out kind of that center section, and then it will branch from there. So you're having a sturdier base and more branching at the base, so that will help. And then planting it with companion plants that maybe give it some more shelter. So maybe like putting a grass in there that maybe gives it a little bit more shelter on the one side. Oh, that's so that interesting. Okay. It's sheltered. Um, I, if you're wanting color in that area, um, 
um, especially if it's a darker area, I like to use colors like the different coleuses or the potato vines in those areas. Mm, yeah. Um, because they just really showcase you get lots of color off of a nice bright foliage and then you can add a little bit of a begonia in there for, for color and contrast too. The other thing that I like to do as well in darker spaces is use the color white. And white I find, especially in a darker space, it almost glows, it pops. Um, so whites and corals mixed together in those um, in those spaces, if you're wanting to sort of brighten it up, um, definitely helps if you're wanting to work with color. Okay, well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Ruth, hope we answered your question about the, the cutting begonias. So there we go. one 332 Ernie's in Saskatoon. Can you get a lemon tree that can be left outside all year round? Oh, Jay, I would dream of living in Saskatchewan <laughs> with a lemon tree that could grow all year round. No, they are not hardy to our zone. Um, even if you keep them indoors for the wintertime, or unless you have them under a grow light, they'll actually go dormant. And sometimes when they're dormant, you might get like zero leaves. It will drop all of its leaves in the wintertime and you might get like a lemon on that tree with no leaves. And it's the <laughs> funniest thing ever, but um, they're not the prettiest plant in the wintertime mm-hmm. when you do keep in the house mm-hmm. if you do not have grow lights on them. Um, make sure you're fertilizing them often, but definitely a plant that is not hard to Saskatchewan. We'd have to have a a nice vacation home to enjoy them exactly in that warmer climate and even a challenge even a challenge for home gardeners who are you know wanting to keep one inside it's even a challenge for that i would say they're they're one of those gardener challenge um ones uh something that if you're wanting to try something new and you're wanting to do a little bit more research and uh, wanting to fertilize on a regular basis that would be a plant for you Okay, we got time for one more question, and Paul's on the line. Paul, we're gonna hang on really tight because we're gonna get your call on as soon as we get back from our break. I'm sorry, but we gotta. We're just gonna be so close here. Betty asked us. Uh, I've been growing lettuce hydroponically in my heated garage. They all got infested with aphids, so I've cleaned all of the hardware with water. I want to make sure that I've killed in the eggs. Should I soak the bins and cages in a bleach mixture, or will that hurt the plants going forward? Um, the biggest thing with a bleach mixture is just make sure that you rinse it off really well afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. It's whatever you feel comfortable doing um, with growing your vegetables. I know a lot of people, they won't use bleach on, on growing vegetable crops because they want to grow things as like organically as possible. But um, with aphids, usually if you rinse them off, rinse everything off really well, um, you will you will be fine. If you ever see that you have aphids on your lettuce, you can just take a soapy mixture too and sort of wash your wash your um, lettuce leaves with that like and that will be good okay there you go so uh thanks for betty for texting us for brian and paul on the line guys hang on we're gonna get to your calls as soon as we get back right now it's time for a news update i'm jay thomas with jill van dyvendyke this is garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom welcome back to garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom I'm getting to guest host this one more time. I'm Jay Thomas, back with Jill Van Dyvendyke. And Jill, we've got lots of calls to get to. Awesome. This Let's get exciting. at it. Yep. So Bob and Brian, we're going to take these calls in the order they came in. So hang on, guys. We're going to get to your call shortly. Right now in Saskatoon is Paul. Hi, Paul. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Thanks for hanging on. What do you want to know about? Um, well, I, uh, I, I, I planted uh, seeds from 2015. Okay. And I had um, like a ninety percent germination rate. Oh, that's which pretty good. Very impressed. Mm-hmm. The question I have is: I was in a seed store, and um, you see a lot of hybrid, hybrid mm-hmm. seeds. Yes. If it doesn't have hybrid on it, does it mean it's heirloom? No. No, it does not. Heirloom variety seeds are just um, basically seeds that are taken off 
of an original plant. So it means like a like a brandywine tomato plant, um, and then it's you take the plants off of that original. Um, the seeds off of that original plant and it just keeps happening over and over again. A hybrid means that it might be um, cross-pollinated with another um, plant to to make it so that it is a sturdier plant or more disease resistant or something like that. Whereas you definitely don't have that with some of the, the heirloom varieties. They're kind of an old-fashioned tried or true variety and they're very um, stable in nature that way. Yeah, well I understand that like, um, mm-hmm. you can take seeds from that and regrow your well like like I've been doing for years yes um, I've had to go to BC uh, for heirloom seeds that they actually advertise heirloom seeds um, you should be able to get heirloom seeds um, in a lot of the garden centers a lot of times it's just doing some research and knowing the varieties um, sometimes they don't actually advertise on the package that it is an heirloom variety but it there it, it is an heirloom variety so just ask the questions when you get to the garden centers if you have a list of ones that you're looking for you can even put a request in um, there is a lot of also great online vendors that you can also buy seeds from that are that are local companies within uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta too yeah, because my local seed store, um, I went there and I was asking questions, mm-hmm. and I said, well, where's all your heirloom seeds? They said, sir, we sell seeds for a living. <laughs> so, oh. so they yeah. want to sell. They just, and, and I can understand that. You want to sell seeds every year instead of like with an heirloom variety, you can just dry them out and, and reuse them. Yeah, well, and the other thing too is a lot of times we're dealing with different diseases and things like that in the garden that some of the other um, more hybrid varieties maybe are more resistant to disease. So um, a lot of times growers will be um, sort of recommending some of those newer varieties because of that as well too. Yeah, well, it wasn't your store anyway. (laughs) Well, we'd be happy to help you. And if you have any questions, feel free to to send us an email, info at dutchgrowers.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. Our next call up is, again, in Saskatoon, but this is Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. What is your question? Oh, thanks very much. What did you want to ask? I want to ask, uh, last fall they were blowing out some uh, bags of uh, soil. And I got them for this uh, summer for planting my flowers. And I got some substantially larger uh, uh, pots for planting veggies. And now it doesn't say potting soil. What it says on the bag is black organic earth. Now I'm wondering, is that as good as potting soil or can I use it or should I add something to it, I'm wondering? Most likely what you have, it's just as black organic earth as it's topsoil that you're you're looking at there. And with the topsoil, you're wanting to make it into a mixture. So either adding some peat or cocoa core um, to the mixture. And I usually say one third, one third, one third. So you're wanting to add some peat and also some perlite, which is like the little white flecks that you see in a soilless mix. And if you mix sure. that all together, um, you'll have a nice, easily drained soil. Now, if you have some larger pots, um, sometimes you can fill the bottom of the pot with some, even some pop bottles or something to fill up the bottom of the pot so that it's it's not as deep. Um, but adding some compost in there as well, if you're, if like you said, you're doing vegetables, that will give it lots of nutrients in there too. Did you say that was peat and what was the other one? Peat, um, perlite. P-E-R-L-I-T-E. L-I-T-E. Yeah. And then you can add a little bit of compost as well. Uh, how much perlite? I would. I usually say one third, one third, one third. Um, but if you're adding some compost, maybe a little bit less than that. What is perlite? Perlite is just it's a 
it's a it's a media that uh, helps add uh, air to your soil, so it it helps the the plants so that the roots can get air. They look okay. like those. Would it be a good idea to add some calcium to that as well? Or I got a bunch of eggshells I've been saving. You'll need a lot of eggshells to add um, calcium to your plants as they don't break down very quickly. But you can definitely, if you want to add some eggshells, it's just an organic product that you can you can definitely put in there. Yeah, I think I've got some of those calcium yeah. sticks too. Those were good, eh? Yeah, definitely. And making sure that you fertilize your vegetables in any type of container gardening is highly important. Thanks, Jill. Yeah, thank you for calling. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna get to a text in a second here, but we've got uh, Bob's question to get to. Bob is on the line. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. What can you? What can we help you with? Well, at the beginning of the show, you guys kind of started off on that you were discussing some grow lights, and so I just want to try to ex- have you expand on that a little bit. Sure. Um, quite often, well, I'm growing a couple of plants that are that I'm being told don't require or should not have direct sunlight because it's harmful for them. Okay. So what is the difference for having them sitting underneath a grow light as opposed to having them in, in direct sunlight? Well, one thing that you have to watch is in direct sunlight with the sun, sometimes you have the heat that's coming off of the sun as well. So you might burn the plant um, in the direct sunlight. With a grow light, um, you're able to move that light higher or lower depending on the type of plant. Now, you really need to do your research with the types of plants you're growing as far as how much light they want, the amount of daylights they, they need. Um, it might affect even um, the type of light. Remember, photosynthesis happens with... Um, darkness as well as daylight so making sure especially if plants that bloom if you want to get them to bloom at the right time you need to allow them to have enough daylight hours but also enough darkness too Um, so just depending on what type of light you have but what i usually say is when you're seed starting you want to set your timer for about that 12 to 16 hours of light and then if it turn off um, for the rest of the time period so that you have some darkness um, usually want to be looking at putting the light usually around two to six inches from from your light if you're using a full spectrum LED light um, is the general rule of thumb when you're starting to seed start. And then if you're using a grow light for ornamentals that are blooming or um, you're you're using them long term for growing uh, vegetables indoors, then you'll want to look at a little bit more research as far as that specific plant. I would not want to touch on just a, a generalization on, on grow lights um, as far as the amount of time you need to put them on or how far you need to put them away in general for all plants, but you really just need to, to look at that. And there's lots of great resources online for that too. Okay, so for example, um, I've got a coffee plant. Okay. Am I doing it any damage or am I doing it any good? Well, what, keeping it under a grow light. Well, keeping it under a grow light, what you're doing is you're helping it be actively growing um, all year round. Um, so keeping it under a grow light, you're going to see new growth coming off. You're going to get more new growth on it. Um, just make sure that if you have it under that grow light, you also are fertilizing it too because it's going to be having more energy because it's going to be actively growing. So making sure that you're giving the nutrients. Remember that those plants are usually planted in a pot with soilless mix and you're watering it. There's not, it's leaching the nutrients out every time you're watering. So the light and then make sure you're giving it a lot of fertilizer will definitely work. With a coffee plant too, if you're finding it's getting lanky a little bit or stretching, um, giving it a prune will definitely help it stay bushier as well for you. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Bob. Take care. 
1-877-332-8255. That's where you can uh, text us or you can call us as well, just like our last uh, three callers here. Let's get one text in before the break here. Uh, this says, good morning, Debbie from Regina. Last fall, I br- uh, brought in my canna lily and divided the bulbs. Can you tell me when and how to start them up indoors for the summer? Oh, yay. Cannabis, some of my favorite plants. I love mm-hmm. having them in containers. Um, you've done it right. You've stored the bulbs. You've separated them and taken some of those babies off. Now you can put them in the pot right now. Some of the taller canna lilies, I would want to start fairly soon. Um, usually, uh, end of February, March. Um, some of the shorter varieties, maybe mid-March. Um, but put them in some soil. Uh, make sure it's well-drained soil, um, that that bulb's not going to rot. If you want to even put, um, a bulb dust on there, um, to make sure that that there's no funguses on that bulb too before you put in the soil and then just uh it needs warm soil temperature is the biggest thing to get your cannas to start growing for you is is key more than than light they're in the darkness of their pot so getting warm soil temperatures will get them to start sprout up for you and then uh, once they start sprouting then you can add that light to them too so keeping them evenly moist not too wet is really key when they're when they're growing remember these are bulbs that you don't want them to be saturated all the time okay there we go i uh, hope that helps uh debbie we're going to take a quick break we're going to get uh brian's text from saskatoon as well and another couple texts that we've got in before we get to the end of the show there is still just a little time if you want to squeeze one more in one 332 8255 i'm jay thomas with jill van divendyke this is garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cj me. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas, and I'm glad to be guest hosting here in for Rick. Basically, Rick decided he wanted another week in Mexico. Yeah, another 10 days. Lucky him. Another hey? 10 days. I get a daily updated FaceTime video from them um, where they like to call me and show me the beautiful ocean and the beaches and all the bougainvillea flowers. And um, this is what we're doing today, Jill. And I'm running the kids around to the rink usually. And- <laughs> if you want to see Jill turn into the Grinch, that's how you do it. Like, right? I want to come there. Can I have an extra 10 days? I'll bring my children. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So Rick will be back we think next week, right? Yes. yes. He's actually coming back this week on Tuesday. Okay. So, yeah. There we go. Okay. We've got some text to get to here at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh this is from Brian in Saskatoon. I uh, a supposed friend of mine, <laughs> supposed friend, gave me a money tree a few years ago. I've been watering it and fertilizing it and singing to it and protecting it from the elements. And after three years, it hasn't even spit out a darn nickel yet. (laughs) (laughs) Any suggestions? He says, starting to think that my friend is pulling my leg. Uh, Even though I'm not into gardening much, I enjoy your show because uh, it's... It's a, it's today's world. So it just seems calming and easygoing. Well, thanks. Thanks, Brian, for commenting (laughs) like that. Yeah. We'd happy to be, you know, a a relaxing, easygoing place, you know, in the world we're living in right now. Uh, but money tree. Well, for those of you who might have a money tree, they're actually a fairly easy care. They're a little bit more of a, an, um, oriental looking um, plant that you can grow. They can grow in sort of a medium to low light area and they have a really unique look and a lot of people will say that they can bring you good luck and good fortune. That's so, right. That's right. There, there is go. definitely cultural things to do with the money tree, right? Yeah, that, exactly. No, unfortunately you do not get the cash <laughs> cash coins <laughs> out of the money tree. Yeah, money. Money doesn't grow on trees, even if it's a money tree, no, right? not quite. Alright, good morning. I've ordered 25 five-foot northwest poplars to plant along the edge of a pasture. What do I need to get uh, them off to a good start and ensure they make it? 
Well, first of all, if you're if you're planting them, I would use a product called Mike, which is a mycorrhizome um, to to plant in there. It's a transplanting. It's a basically a bacteria that attaches to the roots and helps it absorb any more extra moisture and nutrients and things like that. So that will give it a great great start. Yep, it works really really well. And it's spelled M Y K E. M Y K E Mike. And uh, so that's one thing that I would do, making sure that you're getting water to your new trees, especially in those hot hot months of um, July and August, it's really, really important. That water is really important. And then giving them fertilizer too, um, make sure that you're starting them off with uh, with a good good round fertilizer and all-purpose fertilizer will work great and, and give that to them when you're watering. Poplars handle water pretty well. Yes. Right? So not that we're endorsing to overwater them, but new trees generally need more water than you think they do, right? Yeah, the fir- Once they're established, they, they can kind of, you know, the roots go out and down and deep and find water. The first season or two yep. that you plant your trees, you want to make sure that you are planning your vacations accordingly mm. in the summertime or having somebody stop by and water your trees if it's hot. So um, it's not like your established trees where you're like, hey, these plants are nice and drought tolerant no matter what it is. If it's a new tree, that root ball is not expanded yet into the soil system. So you need to make sure that you are watering them regularly. Or if you want to do a drip system, that would yeah. solve a lot of your problems, Put a right? drip system on a timer. Exactly. Sure. Uh, not sure who this is from, but it says I've got a spider plant that was doing very well up until about two months ago. Then it's just started turning black from the tips down to the center, and I think it's done. I'm not sure if it'll come back or not. Any input? It sounds like uh, if it's turning black from the tips down to the center, there's going to be two things that happen. It got a cold draft and it has frozen somehow. So that's Mm. one thing, or maybe it's been transported. It's one thing if you see black. The other thing, if it's doing that, uh, it could be a watering issue. So something's happening in the root system. So sticking your finger into that soil, making sure that it's dry to the touch. Spider plants can actually go quite dry between watering. So making sure that that soil is dry to the touch before you're watering it is really key for success with those. So we're not rotting it out. Yeah. A lot of times maybe you have a without a hole in it and over time that bacteria is just building up in those you're not seeing that it damage right away but over time that damage is happening and then it will start going downhill from angelina good morning i purchased self-watering pots approximately 15 inches in diameter do you have any suggestions on the best annuals for these type of pots as well as fertilizing routine type of fertilizer i usually fertilize with miracle grow bottle on on the hose but i won't need to you know top water as much with these with these pots so Looking for some oh, advice. So much advice I can give you right now. I'm not <laughs> sure if we have time for it all, but um, biggest thing is look at your area. Number one, is it in a sunny area or a shady area and choose plants accordingly. And then you want to choose plants. You want to have your um, filler, spiller, and thriller. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> your thriller is like a taller plant in the center and then a filler around it. And then your spiller is something that's going to sp- come over the edge and that will just give you a really round look. I like to choose going to the a lot of garden centers will have a basket stuffer section. So you can go mm-hmm. into the basket stuffer section and you can pick plants that are in there. And those are usually plants that are hybrids. Um, they are grown for vigor. They're going to bloom and bloom and bloom. Fertilizer, we're watering our plants all the time. Even with these self-watering plants, it's really important to fertilize in lots, especially with those uh, those vigorous growing hybrid annuals. So fertilize once a week. miracle Grow works great. Usually miracle Grow is a 15-30-15 fertilizer, um, or you can use a 20-20-20 fertilizer. It works really good, but once a week. If you are watering like once or twice a day during those hot seasons, you can up your fertilizer if it's like petunias that you're putting in there or calibrecoa to twice a week. 
Okay, great. Well, Angelina, thanks for your text. And for everybody else who texted this week, uh, thanks for everybody for joining us and being part of the conversation. But we're pretty much out of time here. so It's that's, been great. That's, that's the end of the show. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, getting to jump back on here and guest host. It's been a blast. So hopefully we'll see maybe some more some more radio action in the summer and coming months. You never know. But Rick will be back for you with Rick and Jill next weekend. Thanks for joining me, Jay. Oh, it's, it was great. You bet. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. This has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.